Welcome to Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on spirometry and respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing and Communications Manager, and Jansen Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for Vitalgraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Mark and Jansen had an opportunity to interview Stephanie Lynch, a PhD with a passion for total occupational health and safety with OHD. Her focuses include research, industrial hygiene, occupational health, and environmental awareness. Stephanie explains how COVID-19 has impacted the workplace and how employers and employees can safeguard from future pandemics. Well, welcome, Stephanie, to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Could you please give us a little background on yourself, education, experience, and what's your current responsibilities now? I've been working in occupational safety and industrial hygiene for 19 years. I have two masters, one in public health from UAB, go Blazers, and another in industrial engineering from Auburn, so War Eagle. My PhD is also from Auburn with a focus on occupational safety, ergonomics, and injury prevention. And I'm currently the senior technology and research manager for OHD out of Birmingham, Alabama. And so we manufacture and sell the QuantaFit 2, which is a quantitative respirator fit test device. We also offer the Savantech line of noise and vibration monitoring equipment, as well as additional safety and health devices, including audiometers, spirometers, including Vitalograph in the interest of full disclosure, and sound booths. Wonderful. Let's just jump right in there, you know, with the elephant in the room. COVID, the numbers have been going up and down. We're on a downward decline right now on numbers. For the occupational arena, can you say that COVID can be considered an occupational disease? It can and absolutely is in some cases. Uh, If the exposure was at work during your work activities, then it essentially is. OSHA has some good information on what qualifies and doesn't qualify essentially as an occupational exposure illness. And OSHA also has categories of risks. So you can see where you know your business falls and then apply that appropriately. But but yes, you know, we saw, I guess more at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, a group that we didn't maybe anticipate having higher COVID numbers was meatpacking, right? So maybe mm-hmm. it's not as intuitive. We thought healthcare is definitely going to have this high exposure, high rates, but meatpacking, and and that did become an occupational illness, in some cases shutting down facilities. And creating shortages and panic at the grocery stores. People saw the shelves were completely empty. So So let me ask you this. Can an employee flat out say, hey, I got COVID at the office? Because there are so many factors of how you can can get COVID. You know, exposure at the office could be one way, but but how does one prove that? And, And How are the guidelines kind of saying what you can and can't do? The government does place some onus on the employee to to show that an exposure did occur at the office and that their illness was then the result of that exposure. And I would say that perhaps the bar for that hasn't been well established yet with COVID. But as far as from the employer's side, you know, a good faith effort to protect your employees and a good faith effort to comply with what regulation is out there can go a long way to protect you against things like that. Does does that make sense kind of? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are the best practices for all employees to consider to protect themselves regardless if they were vaccinated or not? The best thing that I could recommend is to actually take time to evaluate the risks and then formulate an appropriate plan. 
You want to make policies that are practical and easy to do. And then you want to do your part to assist your employees in making those as easy as possible to do, right? Then train, 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 and communicate, communicate, communicate. If there is a change, explain why. Be transparent. So, you know, in our office, we reduce the number of staff that is coming in. That's remaining in place. You know, it changed the way that our business literally functions, but it's all about what is available to you and your business. One big thing is don't tell people that you want them to physically distance, but then have meetings with chairs right next to each other or right. a break room with seats close together. And then make sure to involve the appropriate stakeholders. One thing that I didn't anticipate needing, well, first off, I didn't anticipate being the one for my company to be covering things like COVID policies. And it wasn't until we got a ways into the pandemic that I went, oh, well, yes, this is, of course, you know, like we just talked about, it is an occupational concern. And this is about the health of my employees. I'm an occupational health, industrial hygiene. That's what I do. So it, it after the fact, it became very clear that, yes, of course, this is what I need to focus my efforts on. But I didn't realize that I would need so much support also from HR and our IT people. They need to be involved in your planning. They can advise you on you know, limitations and capabilities. And those sound very different, but those both apply to things like human resources and your technology, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Especially when you have people working from home and, and making sure that everybody's still connected. Yeah. And with that, making sure that everyone's still treated the same. That's where HR is going to come in. You know, you right. can't you can't make certain things available to certain employees without a justification. Yep. So you you have to have good reasons for why you're doing what you do. And you need to communicate those reasons to your employees. Your employees need to be involved. So how can uh, occupational and employee health services strengthen their health system to meet the challenge presented by COVID-19 pandemic? This is a difficult question for me. I think that being nimble and highly adaptive is good. With the development of the Quantifit 2, we got to, to respond in real time to concerns that the pandemic was raising. So, you know, for instance, we now offer inline filtration. And I, I believe spirometry is offering this too. Is that, really? is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Yeah. And now we're offering testing can be done touch-free. We have a new line of adapters, our new pure adapters, where it's essentially all about COVID. They're able to be fully disassembled, completely disinfected. You know, we can test outside. The operator can be in another room. That would essentially remove the risk. And I offered all of my training before performing any actual fit tests. I offered all of that virtually. And I offered any forms that I used to have that were, you know, paper forms. Those are all now digital. And for the instances where I needed to be with a person who was being fit tested, I wore my own fit tested half mask respirator, which again, I'm sure is runs quite in parallel with how you would run your spirometry right now. For me though, that was just my preference so that I could clean it and reuse it and just feel really comfortable about my own protection, you know, have some ownership over my own protection. So every health, health service now kind of has the ability to look at their processes and identify these sorts of solutions. I think that occupational health, public health, healthcare, they're all gonna have the benefit of hindsight at this point, but it's about actually applying what we've learned and then also granting ourselves some grace. You know, we're still learning, we're gonna to continue to get better. I believe that we'll see a greater focus on ventilation 
particularly in high-risk professions. I think this will ultimately prompt a move to the utilization of more laminar flow options, essentially to reduce the turbulence in air, you know? And I think that offering different options where possible for both employees and patients will be a process that continues to grow. You know, telemedicine is growing and I see that expanding to at-home testing. You know, y'all are probably already seeing that with some aspects of spirometry for at-home monitoring. And then I think we'll see testing booths maybe that separate people as an option for some services or that kind of operate even like a, a, a kiosk where you go in and are able to perform your own testings. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I digress. No, that's that's very informative. So with a lot of misinformation out there, uh, where can employees and workers find information about requirements protecting workers for COVID-19 or future pandemics? Well, I mean, everyone knows that the best place to look is your aunt's Facebook, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Yes, it is. Um, seriously, OSHA, CDC, AIHA, commit to care with a number care with a number two is an excellent resource for not necessarily the requirements. You know, OSHA, CDC, they're going to have more requirements, and then the specialized industries that they may reference. But for best practices for identifying your risk level and then controlling those risks, that commit to care with the number two is a really good resource. Uh, I imagine that there will be more requirements forthcoming and um, you'll actually see OSHA respond more quickly than maybe we're used to. And so we'll see OSHA CDC as we move forward with maybe balancing out what the requirements will be for COVID, but then also hopefully projecting forward to a future pandemic. Absolutely. So we've seen occupational health facilities more in the South start raising up doing spirometry testing. There's no real guideline on when to open back up and when to start and do everything they have to do. But what is kind of your consensus on when they can start doing spirometry testing? And we have these same, you know, we have customers who have that concern. And then we yep. have the same thing with respirator fit testing. But this is a very clinic specific consideration. But yep. I would recommend being very intentional about it. What are your clinic specific considerations for risk minimization? What is your clinic specific risk? Vitalograph has an excellent guide on restarting your spirometry. And I'm really not just, I'm not just saying that. It's honestly where I've sent any of our customers who have questions about that. So it's a really good resource. It has a guide. You can download it. And I would honestly follow it. It does give you a direction for being very intentional on whether you should or should not restart your spirometry. Well, is there any type of mental health or psychosis support for workers during this pandemic? Because we, we're starting to hear a lot about people having anxiety, either at the workplace or we've got workers that, you know, are not sure they want to come back to work and they, they enjoy working from home. So do you know of any resources in that sense? I mean, absolutely. Um, mental health care essentially has become very accessible. I honestly, I have an appointment with my therapist this afternoon virtually. There are new options like BetterHelp for online therapy. There are other things that are very similar to that. I hate to call out BetterHelp. I haven't personally used BetterHelp, but um, I do know that's one resource that's available and I know there are others like it. So more and more companies are offering coverage. Uh, some that are big enough or, and able to even have on-call or on-site services. As far as you know, working from home and just being glad to work from home, I think that's something employers are going to have to balance. You know, that's a, a benefit that really holds no cost. Like if you're able to perform all of your functions from work and you're 
good at it, then the company is not having to pay anything extra for you to work from home. So it is a, when you're able to, it is an incredible benefit, but there are other people who, you know, are working home from home, maybe because they're scared to come in. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a mental health emergency. I, I understand being scared. You know, you don't need mental health services just because you're scared or just because you're having a problem. Maybe it's just a good place to to talk and really work through some things. I mentioned before, you know, it took me a minute to realize my responsibilities within my company with regards to COVID-19. And I think it kind of was a little bit of a, I don't want to overstate it, but it impacted me and how I felt about my profession as far as public health for quite some time, just feeling like I was getting guidance that was shifting just so frequently and very unclear. And I didn't know why some of the things were being recommended and then they would change. And I didn't feel like I was very confident on why that change was taking place. And so that was very professionally difficult. And that's actually when I started getting therapy to just help me work through that. And I think that the stigma is really going away and that we all can feel a little bit better about investing in our own mental health and that it doesn't have to be just for a crisis, right? Right. So Dr. Lynch, I I really appreciate you saying that because I went through the same thing. Uh, Working for a respiratory diagnostic company during a respiratory pandemic, the first thought everybody says is, oh, you must be busy and you must be doing this and you must be doing, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, it's really, you know, our industry basically shut down. And I had to find out from a corporate level how to continue running the business. You know, and it's a tough thing. But then also when you're on calls about restart campaigns and things like this, you've got to kind of tread the water. And it was causing causing some extreme anxiety. And I, I, too, see a therapist almost on a weekly basis just because it's one of those where it's good to just talk. The negative stigma of seeing therapists uh, just needs to go away. Uh, mental health and happiness is far better than than the the stress and anxiety of everyday life. That's so true. And I just think that the pandemic really did expose at least some things about, you know, Americans are, I want, I want to say we work more than any other country's workforce, just like oh, ours. I agree with you. You know, yeah. we, we work, you know, we, we are a global company and we deal with a lot of different regions based on Vitalograph. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that we work very hard and uh, take less vacation than any other country. Well, and so that just becomes your identity becomes so associated with your job that then so when COVID happened and yeah, same for me where nobody wants to do their fit testing We're you know, no one wants to do spirometry. People weren't even wanting. I mean, you know, they just didn't want to be around each other. So all of the things that I manage, nobody wanted to do those things anymore. And they wanted me to tell them why they needed to stop. And then as stuff started to kind of evolve, they wanted me to tell them why they could start. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> so if you just really want to make sure that you're getting all the right information and just doing the best you can, but also granting yourself some grace, you know, stuff is going to change and it's not your fault. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where, where we took a different approach instead of coming from a, a sales aspect. It's going to how can we be a resource during this time of need? I've said it on other podcasts is that that's my saying for 2021, 2022 is be the resource because nobody wants you to come in and try to sell them something and, and do the fear tactic of COVID. So let me show you some resources. Let me help you learn more about what's going on in the industry. And so you can improve the practice and, and in some ways improve the patients as, a, as opposed to the employees and so forth. So just that's our, our mantra is uh, be a resource. And that's why these podcasts are so important 
you know, this is our first occupational health podcast. Subject. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Just, just for that, just because we want to make sure everybody has a voice. Yeah. It's, if OHD relied on me for, for sales, we'd be in a lot of trouble because um, <laughs> I do, I function as a resource. And one thing I probably should have mentioned with my background, I'm one of the trainers for an OSHA course on the workplace infectious diseases. So, of mm-hmm. course, there's a huge focus on COVID. But so that's where I've been able to glean a lot of my resources is from teaching this course, interacting with the other instructors and even interacting with our students. You know, they provide us the feedback. These are all professionals out in their respective fields, and they're able to provide feedback for maybe why something doesn't apply to them or why another practice was better. So it's really given me an opportunity to get a lot of different perspectives and then have a lot of resources, know where to go and feel feel a lot better about what I'm what I'm telling people and why I'm telling them, whatever I'm telling them. <laughs> so speaking of OSHA, is OSHA or NIOSH providing any guidelines for companies kind of performing preparation and cleaning, cleaning up efforts in high-risk situations? going forward or for future pandemics? OSHA requires employers absolutely to perform routine cleaning and disinfection. If someone who's been in the facility within 24 hours is suspected of having, I think it's that 24-hour limit, is either suspected of having or confirmed to have COVID-19, they are going to tell you that you should follow the CDC, and that word for OSHA, should, is is important, should yep. follow CDC cleaning and disinfection you know, recommendations, so your EPA-approved uh, disinfectants, hopefully everyone's familiar with that, <laughs> that list now, any applicable requirements that are mandatory from any other OSHA standards, so you think if you're using a new disinfectant, then uh, what are the hazard communication risks? You know, what's the SDS for that chemical? And then does it require PPE to use it, you know, for your exposure to those cleaning chemicals? Uh, so there's a lot of things that are kind of incorporated by reference with what OSHA says you should do with regards to cleaning and disinfection. I don't think they've necessarily ironed that quite out yet. I, I could be wrong, but I have not seen anything about it. Do you think a report from OSHA or whatever uh, will come out later of what we've learned from this pandemic and will be published in the near future? Or have you heard anything? I would expect something to come out of NIOSH, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, NIOSH is the research branch of our government, and they advise OSHA on what they sort of should do. And because OSHA has been you know, responding a bit more quickly to these COVID concerns, we might actually see something like that. You know, in general, it takes a really long time for our government to to change. It's a legislative process to change a, a requirement. But because COVID has propelled them into having to make recommendations, we may be able to see that. But the research I think you would see about best practices and what's coming up would be from NIOSH as part of the CDC. Great information and resources for occupational medicine. Do you have any last comments you want to tell our podcast listeners? Oh, goodness. I don't think we could ever cover everything, but I really appreciate this opportunity. And I just hope that we are sort of, I don't know if we're moving forward and that's going to be just living with the virus. That's what it's more seeming like. But I really hope we've managed to learn from this and that we will all grow more. I really do hope that. Not go backwards. I agree. You're right. Uh, it's something that has impacted, you know, the whole world and change is tough. And I hope people can adapt and understand this more and take it seriously, hopefully. Yeah, that's my hope, because I think it will it will happen again. That's one thing maybe I didn't mention. And I should have. So over a decade ago, I was working for NIOSH. They were doing research there that was for 
the inevitable influenza pandemic. So we've known, and you saw our response, there were definitely some opportunities for improvement with the overall response to the pandemic. So I really hope that we do have more information now and that when the next one comes around, we will be better prepared. Well, Stephanie, thank you for being on our podcast today and we appreciate all this great information. Thank you so much. So nice to talk to you guys. You've been listening to Excel with Vitalgraph. Your hosts are Mark Russell and Jansen Lanier. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Please follow us for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalograph.